we can make decisions now, even if we don't see the consequence of them, we know if we're making the right principled economic decision that we don't have to then measure it out on every single one. We just know that once we've identified it, we can then go produce. And as you know, Cashflow Tactics produces the first one. We can then become who we want to become and produce at the highest level. And then now with that production on true principles, we have certainty without having to measure and come back and check every single time, is it going to work? Welcome to the Rise Up Live Free podcast, where we're going to be giving you the exact blueprint to reach financial freedom in 10 years or less, regardless of your age, your income, or your experience. You see, we believe that 97% of traditional financial advice is dangerous, misleading, or outright wrong. And we're here to empower you on how you can use money and cash flow as a tool to create, build, and live a life you love now rather than having to wait until you're 65. If you're ready to take immediate action, join us over at cashflowtactics.com forward slash podcast. All right, all right. Welcome to the Rise Up Live Free podcast. Today is a treat and today is an honor. Usually on the microphone, it's me or Brad or Jimmy. But today we really have the mastermind, the scientist, really the person behind the results of Cashflow Tactics. You guys listening to this podcast might have thought I was cool or Brad was cool or Jimmy was cool. But man, when you get to understand who we have on the microphone with us today, your entire perspective of what's actually happening in Cashflow Tactics will be changing. So Eric McGuire, do you want to say what's up to everybody today? How's it going, guys? You guys are cool, though. I will say that. Well, I appreciate that. And that's what makes you so cool, Eric, is you're just, man, you're such a humble dude. So let me take a moment and let me give you some credit and some accolades here, okay? So Eric, uh, Eric, you've been on our team here inside of Cashflow Tactics before Cashflow Tactics even was a thing. Um, In fact, you and I have been in this world and along with Brad for years, and I thought I'd been in the game for a while until I met Eric. Eric has been in the financial strategy game doing virtually exactly what we teach today inside of Cashflow Tactics for almost two decades, almost two decades. It's scary. scary. It is scary. It's kind of crazy. But man, the, the wealth of expertise that you bring just from the time under tension that you've had is amazing. And so I want to give just a little bit of a backstory as, as you come on and introduce yourself. Um, Eric, from the very beginning, you've known that there was a problem inside of traditional finance. And you've not only known that, I think one of the things I admire most about you, Eric, is your commitment to the truth, your commitment to a principle. You don't move until you've identified the principle. Once you've identified the principle, then you're unwavering in your action towards that principle. And this isn't just a financial thing. I've seen you do this inside of your life as a father, as a husband, um, inside of Cashflow Tactics and Altitude Life. It's been awesome to have you on the team. So Eric, with that being said, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you. And what we're going to talk about today is exactly why I am that way. It was the foundational piece. And you're right. Like I never, I never got brainwashed because luckily we're going to talk about my brother in this today, but I was introduced to these concepts when I was still in college. So I guess, I guess I got brainwashed a little bit in college, but not (laughs) too much. So I hit the real world knowing 401ks were garbage before I even got offered a 401k. So. And, so, yeah. and you and and the crazy part about that, you never questioned. Once you knew, you knew, and you never. Que- I mean, you did your research to continually val- validate For and sure. become an expert in your opinion. Um, but man, once you knew, you knew. And you know, here's the thing: um, Cashflow Tactics. I, I'm really proud about what we've accomplished inside of Cashflow Tactics. But I think here's the result, or here's the truth behind the results that we have inside of Cashflow Tactics. 
every movement, every um, every great thing that happens in life, it's not out of nowhere, right? We all stand on the shoulders of great people, and our 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 responsibility, our opportunity, if you will, is to learn from those who came before us, to take the best practices and the lessons, and to add to those, right? To make them stronger and to prove them over, you know, multiple lifetimes. And so Eric, we stand on your shoulders, but Eric, that's, you stand on someone else's shoulders. You mentioned your brother, Les. Do you want to take just a minute to kind of walk us through your background of, you said you knew about this from the very beginning. How did you find out about all this stuff? Yeah. And he obviously stood on other people's shoulders too, but just to give you little background on less and he would say the stuff he discovered wasn't his he just discovered it from searching but long story really short is when he was getting his master's degree um and who is less who is less is my older brother it was just the two of us he's five and a half years older than me um and he passed away in 2006 so that's why we talked to about him kind of in the past um tense but um when he was getting his master's degree at byu there's a lot of things were up in the air for him. And so he was discovering truth and trying to find principles and put it all together. And then as he would discover those principles, he would teach me as the younger brother. And I obviously ate it up, but I mean, that's kind of where I came to be who I am. Well, let, let me ask you this question, just because now I'm curious a little bit about this. Um, and I think this will, will kind of expose a little bit of your yeah. character that you may or may not even recognize in yourself. You mentioned that you ate it up as less your older brother was sharing with you truth, right? It was yeah. truth. He was sharing that with you and you ate it up. Did you eat it up because Les was your bigger brother and you admired him and respected him? Or did you eat it up because once you saw truth, you just naturally wanted more of it? Yeah, probably a little bit of both because I had I had the blessing of following him growing up. And he was, you know, the smartest, like Brad always says, the smartest guy in the room. It'd be fun to see both of them together because then we'd battle it out and see who truly was the smartest guy in the room. Ooh, that would be super fun, man. Holy yeah, cow. I love like. I love that idea. Yeah, it's like the Dr. J versus Michael Jordan conversation, right? Yeah. I mean, who, who knows? But um, anyway, like, so even through high school, I mean, he we were never in the same school at the same time, but he always paved away. Like, he he was really smart and just a good, good person, really friendly. Now, I was telling someone a story about this last week that even when I went to, like, high school, he had just graduated. But uh, the seniors then were freshmen when he was in high school. So they're like, hey, his brother was cool, and they were he was nice to me, so be nice to him. Yeah, and, I mean, they didn't hang out with me, but every, everyone treated me good because he paved a way of, you know, being nice and being smart and all that stuff. So anyway, so part of it, like I didn't have the skepticism because it came from him, but obviously I did my own research to figure it out. You know, awesome. the truth, awesome. that's the good thing about truth, though, is truth resonates with you when you hear truth and then you go investigate and do a little bit of you know research on your own and get validation from it. It's not hard to validate truth. Guys, right there, that that's a that's such a principle for life truth resonates. And guys, here's here's the way I like to think about this idea of truth. There are absolute truths, whether you want to call it an absolute truth or a principle, but it's something that is true and it's always true. And one of the challenges of the world that we live in today, there's so much information. There's so many, you know, things to consider and think about out there. And I would say that many of those absolute truths have been over time kind of watered down. They've been watered down with opinion. They've been watered down with lie, right? And you, anytime you mix an absolute truth with a partial truth or an, an inherent lie, the, the nature of that truth, the validity of that truth, the effectiveness of that truth starts to get watered down and it doesn't always apply. And so yeah. I really find the more you can simplify your life down and think about it in your health, think about it in your marriage, 
definitely think about it in your financial life, the more you can simplify your life down to what is the principle, what is the absolute truth, and how do I align with that truth to get what I want, the simpler and the more effective your life actually becomes. In fact, as all of the noise and chaos is going on, it's super easy to ignore it and just say, hey, I don't need anything that deviates or takes me away from the truth because the truth gets me where I want to be. The truth gets For me sure. the results that I want. And I love that about your character. You, you've, you've always, in fact, you're a published author, right? And yep. I remember your book that you wrote, um, it was all about the truths throughout the history of time, right? You pulled yep. truths that, you know, from leaders of generations in the past. And you've always aligned with truth. Would you agree with that? Uh, for sure. Absolutely. Okay. So back in the day when your brother Les um, was discovering these truths for himself, um, he was kind of in the world, in the financial space, and he was learning yep. some lessons a lot like we talk about in Cashflow Tactics. He was seeing what didn't work. He was seeing why people were stuck, himself included. And then he had a naturally curious mind, which would send him on a path to try to figure out why are they stuck? Why am I stuck? And what do I do to get, get unstuck? And over time, he came up with some pretty unique philosophy, not unique, but some pretty amazing philosophies, some pretty powerful philosophies that he articulated in such a way that they kind of built back in, in Les's day, they built a little tribe here in Utah around oh, these truths. Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. And just like you, Brad and Jimmy are great about when you identify a truth, you can explain it in a simple way. Les had a talent for that. Seeing something complex and then like narrowing down the concepts and teaching it where people could understand it. And he had a radio show every day. I don't, I can't remember if you knew that or not, but every day for two hours, they were on the radio in the morning. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a little bit before he died. He died in 2006. I think I said that, but a little bit before internet was fully going crazy and, and stuff. So it was more old school, but. I love that. I love that. And, and we're actually going to pull on one of the things that Les, I think is probably best known for. And still yep. to this day inside of our community is best known for. So much of what we share today is based on the research and the articulation that Les did back in the day to really break down a concept that is super misunderstood. But once you understand it, it's one of the most powerful concepts out there. And, and guys, you can go to Google and you can download the exact article that we're going to be talking about um, written by Les McGuire in 2003, and it's called The Economic Value of Certainty. So today... Eric, I think we could all agree there's a lot of uncertainty in the world around us. Yes, yep, for sure. What do you think causes that? Where, where is all of this uncertainty coming from? And is it a new thing? Is it, you know, is it this just is the way life is? What What's the deal with all this uncertainty? It comes back to what you were saying before that as people deviate from principles and from truth, then that causes uncertainty. It causes chaos. Okay. So today, I think you know, one of the greatest blessings that we have is we live in the information age, right? And and man, ideas travel at the speed of light. Like I can have an opinion right now, whether that opinion is true or not. I can have an opinion and I can put it on Facebook and Twitter and all the things, right? And whoever wants to listen to my opinion, my opinion now becomes known, right? It, it now yeah, becomes- We're literally public. doing it right now, right? I mean, who knows where this is being watched right now across the world? Exactly. That's that's a great way to put it. We're We're broadcasting our opinion right now, okay? And while this is good, um, it can cause a little bit of confusion and chaos, right? I mean, because if I went into Google today, like the, you know, the search engine, and I said, hey, I want to get skinny. Like, that's my goal. I want to be skinny. How many different philosophies and ideas would I find on the concept of losing weight or being skinny? Yeah, thousands. As many thousands. as you want. You can find the whatever you want to hear, right? No doubt. And the crazy part about it, 
as I go, it, it, that sounds like that would just be an easy thing. Okay, Ryan wants to get skinny. So go to Google and search, I'm, I want to get skinny. And the thousands of things, they probably say the same thing, right? No, yeah. they say the exact, like everything says it different. And everything's like, no, that doesn't work. This works. No, this is, that's wrong. This is right. My research corroborates this and disproves that. And it even the same person kind of has the new and improved, right? I mean, even if it's the one you heard 10 years ago, it's the new version of it. Totally. It gets, it gets super confusing. And it's this whole idea of taking a truth and changing it over time, adding things, taking things away, adding your opinion. Um, and it, it waters things down and it makes it really, really difficult in many cases to just focus in and narrow in on the absolute truth. And inside of the world of money, I think that's really where Les started to, to, to really find the uncertainty and start to articulate what he was finding in his journey. And this idea of the economic value of certainty is pretty revolutionary because let's just take a step back before we talk about what we do in Cashflow Tactics. Let's just look at how traditional finance works and let's look at it through the lens of certainty or uncertainty, right? Yep. What is the path today? If, if I want to invest or save or you know have anything to do with money, what's the traditional espouse path out there? Yeah, the goldfish advice, right? You sign up and you tell your story a lot. And I don't, I don't have the same story because I saw it before this, but typically you get hired with a company, they have a 401k plan. You see, sit down with them and you check a couple boxes and that's how your money's allocated and you never look at it again. I mean, every couple of years, maybe you do, but you really just kind of pass the faith that 40 years later, after them pulling that money out of your account every week or out of every paycheck, someday you'll have a, some money and hopefully that's enough to live on, right? Okay. So in a simple way, that's it, right? And that's exact. That's exactly it. And think, guys, as you're listening to this podcast, think about the financial advice that you've grown up with or that you've heard. Uh, it's it, and and then try to match it up with this word certainty. Certainty to me really articulates that. Without a shadow of a doubt, I show up with absolute certainty that my path, what I want, is going to work out. It's inevitable. Yep. Uncertainty is, okay, I'm going to inject a certain amount of risk, maybe a lot of risk or a little bit of risk in the thing that I want. And the more risk I inject, the less certain I become. And best case scenario, I might go from certainty to confidence. But more yep. than likely, I go from certainty to confidence, confidence in the financial space to hope. I hope that it works out. I hope that what everyone told me to do is going to work out for me. And that's kind of what you just explained, Eric, is, hey, everyone's doing it. So I, if everyone's doing it, maybe it'll work out for me. And the further you get down this path, Eric, you've talked to people for over almost 20 years now around the conversation of finance. How often do you hear the word certainty in the conversations that you have with people? Never. I mean, no, it's, it's almost a word you can't say in the world, world of finance. And right? you know what? It's crazy that you say that because there are regulation, regulating agencies. The government regulates if you can say the word certainty or not. In fact, you can't say certainty in traditional finance. And the reason you can't say certainty is it's not certain. It is yeah. filled with risk. And now you, you can't even advertise with it. Facebook won't even probably let you say certainty. Yeah. <laughs> you may have to scrub the title yeah. of this. We might have to take down the podcast. Maybe Apple will take it down and say, hey, there's no such thing as certainty. Yeah. But look, here's the, here's the reality. Right. Um, this this paper that that Les wrote, he talked about this idea of the value of certainty and he, he wrapped it in the conversation of finance. So, Eric, yep. I'm going to just turn the mic over to you for a minute. What does the economic value of certainty? What does this actually mean? OK, in summary, basically, we, and we talk about second and third order consequences and fourth and fifth. I mean, when you make a decision, we can measure really quickly what the first order consequence or the first result of that decision is right that's yeah. pretty easy to do um let's use as in the in the article 
um, a game of chess. And it's really easy to see if I move one piece on a chessboard what it does. It, the master chess players know for the rest of the game what the consequence of that one move was. And good, like that's the, you know, defines a good chess player versus bad. I'm not a great chess player, so I'm only making just one move at a time. That's all I can think. Maybe two if I'm lucky. And that would be called checkers, right? Checkers yeah, versus chess. Pretty I much. I play chess like time. Yeah. Um, but in life, we can't measure that. We can't, like we used to talk about, it, and it's not just economic, it's everything. It's our family, our kids, relationships. I mean, everything we do. We don't know the ripple effect. I mean, um, what is it? Economics in One Lesson talks about this a lot in that book, yeah. that you make a decision and we the ripple effect is it's impossible to measure. Like there's no way to see it. Maybe we're good at seeing second and third order. We're never good about fifth through 10th. Yeah. So then where are you left? Like, how do you know how to make that, that decision knowing that the 10th order consequence will be to your favor? Yeah. And Les's conclusion was the only way you can do it is identify true principles and act accordingly to those true principles. And if you do that, you can have now have certainty and confidence that the ripple effects will all be in your favor. Oh, man, and it's such a powerful thing. And I, I remember for me when I first read this, it was such a foreign concept to me because I was used to operating with the lack of certainty. I was used yeah. to operating in an uncertain environment when it came to money. I would take my money, the money that I had sacrificed my time for, and the money that I had a, you know, I had a I had a goal attached to this money, right? I would take that money and my goal was one day, one day I want to be able to retire. I want to be able to buy my time back. So I'm going to take the dollars that I that I have that I'm not going to spend and I'm going to put them in an account with the hope, and I'm saying that intentionally with the hope of one day having enough money to be able to retire. There yeah. was no certainty. And nope. after 2008, there wasn't even confidence for me, right? It was just this vague, uh, ambiguous, with my fingers crossed idea of maybe, hopefully, one day it'll work out for me. Um, so, as yeah, we go you're right. These, risk and confidence, like you take more risk and you lose and you have no confidence in what you're doing as you lose certainty, yes, right? The yes. more uncertain, the more risk, and the more you don't have confidence. Okay, so let's keep going down this rabbit hole because, guys, You've got to, when you get in front of the internet, you've got to take this podcast and you've got to now go download Les's article. It's about a seven page article. It's so powerful. I have read it countless times over the years because the ideas become more and more relevant. The more certainty I build up inside of my financial plan. And yep. in the beginning, there was no certainty. There was hope. And so it took a whole mindset shift to start to think maybe I could take a dollar and not just have hope with it, but certainty. And I want you to think of this as you're listening to this podcast, how would your financial plan change, let alone your life? If rather than approaching your dollars that you were saving for retirement with hope, you started approaching those dollars with certainty, what would change for you? And everything is possible at that point. So as Les goes down deeper down this rabbit hole, he talks about the science of scarcity and he's trying to help yep. articulate a complex subject of economics into look, money, it, it's a it's a scarce resource. There's only yep. so much money that I have, and I can work really hard and do the, my best I can. But at the end of the day, my money is a scarce resource, right? And so, how we act with scarce resources, especially our money, will determine how effective we are at getting the goal that we want: retirement, owning and controlling our time, financial yep. freedom. Okay? And you just know that th like that's actually the bigger one. We're not in a game of finance. We're in a game of time. Yes, the scarce resource that we're all fighting for is our time. A hundred percent. And we have the smoke screen of money in front of it, but you, I mean, the bigger one is, is you just hit it on the head right there. 
Well, and let's keep going down this rabbit hole because um, as he talks about this, he talks about the economic cost of uncertainty versus the economic value of certainty. So let's let's inject the economic cost of uncertainty, okay? So let's, Eric, let's go down this path yeah. that most people find themselves on. In fact, how many times when you sit down, and for the, guys, I, I think I forgot to tell everyone what Eric does. If you haven't had the privilege inside of our community of building and implementing your game plan, then you don't know who Eric McGuire is. Eric McGuire joined our, I don't even say joined our team. Eric McGuire, when Brad and I were trying to figure out how to launch this thing, Eric McGuire was there saying, hey, I'm in with you guys and I want to bring this because this is my vision and this is Les's vision, who we all stand on the shoulders of. And so Eric helped us build this from the very beginning. And for us inside of Cashflow Tactics, the principles to become financially free in 10 years or less are tactically applied to an individual through a game plan. There's an art and a science to it. It's really taking your resources and your goals and tactically putting them or aligning them with the principles of cash flow tactics, the core four, the four pillars, and then showing you the pathway to become financially free in 10 years or less. And Eric, that is the role that you love to play. You you love the game of building game plans. Would you agree with that? I agree. As you've built thousands now, thousands yeah. of game plans over the years before cash flow tactics and now in cash flow tactics, how many times, how many times have people come to you with money that is in uncertain locations? Almost all the time. I, I can't think of a time in my life where, I mean, I've done over a thousand game plans too. I can't think of a time, of a time in my life where people have brought anything but uncertainty. Yeah. Now, there might be levels to that, but anything but uncertainty to a game plan. And if they have, they've been listening to us for like a year and doing something on their own. But well, even there, even, they probably still have stuff out, right? And even if that, so here's the crazy part. Even if they've been listening to us and they went out and tried to do it on their own, they're still bringing an element of uncertainty to it yeah, because true. they don't know the next move to make. They don't know what to tactically do. It's one thing to put your money in a vault or to buy some real estate. It's another thing to be free, yeah. right? And so there's this and element of uncertainty. Yeah. that's the other thing. Even if you obey the principle, but you don't know you're obeying the principle, you don't have certainty. You yeah. only get certainty by living the principles and knowing you've tested and proven the principle. And and that's, Eric, that's such a beautiful point because it's the principle and then it's the system, right? If I know the principle and I know how to systematically apply the principle to get consistent results, that's how you build certainty, right? If I have the principle and I'm getting a result, but I don't know why, and I don't know how to duplicate it, then I'm still uncertain because I'm like, well, that worked, but how do I do it again, right? It almost so, makes you scared because you think it was luck. It was luck, exactly, exactly. And Les talks a lot about this in his paper. He talks about the economic cost of uncertainty. What, like, is how do we articulate that? Not just from a financial perspective, as you've talked to thousands of people, what is the cost of people operating with uncertainty in their financial plans? Oh, it's, I mean, every pain, everyone comes with different pains, but they're all, it's the pain of that, the relationships, the... I mean, you don't like your work. You usually are unhappy at home. You don't, you're not connected with your family. You're worried. I mean, the worry and stress of life is usually related to it. Yeah. And guys, as you're listening to this, think about the cost on you. Like for me, you know, for those of you that know my story, or some of you might not. I mean, for me, the cost was, it was prevalent in every area of my life. It wasn't just limited to my financial life. In 2008, I found myself losing money in the stock market. I found myself having traded almost everything that I cared about in the pursuit of money, in the pursuit of retirement, thinking that my 401k and saving as much as I could would get me there faster. But in 2008, you still there? All right, well, he's coming in, I'll, I'll talk. So yeah, Google Google my brother's article. If you ever meet me in person, I actually published um, his article, it was good enough to do that. 
Um, but as he's coming through back in, so basically this concept of principles, and if you think about it, we, once you discover truth and less would use gravity as an obvious one, do we test gravity every day when we wake up? You know, we, when we wake up in our bed, we don't, you know, do an analysis to see is gravity still working that morning or is the sun going to come up? I mean, there's certain principles or certain things. Um, physics still works. You know, it doesn't change the body of mass, you know, all the details that go into that. We can get out of bed knowing that we're not going to float off into space and we forget about it, but we operate on that faith and those, those certain principles that we've identified every day of our life. And the more that we can identify, and that's what less push, the more that you get that just in normal life. And then also as you build upon it into now your economic life, we can make decisions now, even if we don't see the consequence of them, we know if we're making the right principled economic decision that we don't have to then measure it out on every single one. We just know that once we've identified it, we can then go produce. And as you know, Cashflow Tactics produces the first one. We can then become who we want to become and produce at the highest level. And then now with that production on true principles, we have certainty without having to measure and come back and check every single time. Is it going to work? Because you know it will work because you've tested it. So for example, we just had our St. Louis event and in it, it was pretty fun because during the, the Cashflow Heaven tour, this year, um, one of the segments, we were talking about something and it clicked for a few people and a little bit of a discussion happened on like, oh, if I do my game plan this way, this way, or this way, there's like four ways the person could win or like they could win one way and someone else pointed out a different way in this third person. And I, I literally think there's four at this conversation. And Brad made the comment of like, we're now arguing which way of the four ways is this person going to win or is it going to be all of them combined? And that's kind of why we build everything the way we do it within game plans, within the certainty, within the structure, everything that we do in Cashflow Tactics is built on this idea that it's not just one thing. One, if one thing goes wrong, it doesn't fall apart. Like we build in layers upon layers upon layers that with the most certainty you can, if you implement the principles, you'll get the results you're looking for. And so you don't then have to argue which way do we win. We know we're going to win at least one of them and maybe all four of them. Um, another example is my, I took my kids out, my two oldest kids. Um, they had ne actually never flown on an airplane. Brent, Ryan didn't share this in a little bit of my backstory is, you know, um, I have seven kids. So my wife and I are actually told when we were married that we couldn't have kids, but then obviously, you know, we figured that out. So we have seven kids. So my two oldest, every time we go somewhere as a family, we always drive. And so they had never been on an airplane. Um, so I wanted to take them on an airplane, get out to St. Louis, be a part of the event. So we took them. And as we we're on the plane ready to take off we were just talking about the physics of an airplane like this big metal you know airbus big plane how is it going to get in the air and i was just explaining you know the dynamics of the wing and how air you know flowing over it and the pressures and everything that basically uh, the, for that plane not to fly physics would have to end you know right now on earth and that's just not going to happen um so we know as soon as we're at the end of the runway about to take off, they test the engines. And if those engines can get to full speed and full power and full capacity, we know that it will take it down the runway. They know how long it needs to go and at what speed that plane will take off into the air. And it's a certain event. And that's why we're willing to get on. If every time, if you know, physics and gravity and all that stuff were up in the air, not a single person would get on the plane if it was 50-50, whether it would work that time, right? But because they've measured it out and designed it, you know, just like the airplane, that's how your game plan is. We have so many redundancies that even if one little thing can go wrong, like the airspeed, you know, wind can pick up or little things can happen that way. And we still have the certainty of knowing the plane will take off, fly successfully to our destination. So 
Um, that, that was a conversation we had last week. And if you start to identify in your life, you'll realize that much of what you do on a daily basis is built on this idea of I tested something out and I know something is a certain principle and now I live off of it. So I'll share an example. I, I won't, don't want to go through the whole thing, but um, on this same idea. So like with Les, he also would point out, like in his in the article, he points out driving. We loved cars, so we grew up with that. So, and we lived in Colorado, and both of us came to school out here in Utah at BYU. So, traveling across I eighty, I think this is where the analogy came from. Sometimes we do it in the middle of summer when it's hot, and sometimes we would do it at Christmas time when it was snowy. So he gave the example that if you're driving across the interstate, and if you've ever been in cold weather, if you're looking on each side of the road and there's snow and it's a little bit wet but not too bad, you know, middle of winter, cold and snow all around you. How do you drive? For the next 100 miles, you're probably going to drive pretty cautious because if anyone's ever hit black ice, you never want to hit it twice. So he points out that you would drive 100 miles, but you may never hit black ice. It may be fine. That whole 100 miles, you may never hit it, but you're still going to drive in a way as if you might. So, but versus how do you drive differently with a certainty like in the middle of the summer when it's 80, 90 degrees, no snow, middle of the day, no traffic, you're obviously going to drive differently. So probably in the wintertime, thinking of Wyoming and I-80, you're going to drive maybe 50 miles an hour, 45 miles an hour in the wintertime of snow, where in the summertime, you're driving 85. And if you're driving like Les or Brad, and you're driving 90, 95. So you can almost be going twice as fast. The road could be the same, but it's, what's the difference is your certainty and your knowledge of the road. Welcome back, Ryan. Dude, you've just been going the whole time. That's freaking rad. So I just Hopefully, had- I don't know. I, could you hear me on your phone? No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, awesome. Okay, well, hey, we'll meet that back in on the conversation. Where are we at on this economic value of certainty idea? The certainty of power. That's what we're talking about. No, we're just, I've just given some examples of, you know, different ways it, you know, comes into life. Well, guys, let's now apply it. Let's apply it to how we, like how I learned about it, how Brad learned about it, how we actually came in touch with your brother. Now, I never had the privilege and honor of meeting your brother. I, I got into this game after he had already passed away. Brad, I don't think had also ever had a chance to meet your brother, nope. but he studied heavily your brother's teachings and writings as, as have I. Um, but, you know, Les wrapped all of this idea, all of these philosophies and ideas up into a financial concept, right? How do we take a dollar? Because at the end of the day, if I, in a perfect world, who wants to lose money? No Nobody. One. No one really wants to lose money. We've been trained. Even if you say you like risk, you don't really like risk. You're just told that. You think you have to say that to sound like you want to make money. Exactly. We've been trained on educated to think that risk is just part of the equation. And in 97% of what is taught out there, it is, right? It's what is your risk tolerance? But at the end of the day, in a perfect world, if you could get what you want and not have to lose any money, then would you not want that? And in my opinion, I truly believe this is really at the core of the economic value of certainty. Right, Building a level of certainty inside of your life allows you to constantly show up in an uncertain world with certainty, with confidence, with a, a, an air of just knowing that you're here to win and your winning is inevitable. And he wrapped all of this up in a financial strategy that inside of Cashflow Tactics, we call the vault. We call the vault financial strategy. Eric, walk us through what is the vault and how does this vault help us build certainty in our financial plans? Perfect. Yeah, the vault is is a properly, uniquely structured whole life insurance policy. And when I say uniquely structured, I I think we're the only people that does it, do it exactly the way we do it. I mean, there's yeah. other concepts out there that take different strategies, but specific to our game and our world, 
of being the best producer and utilizing your vault. Like, I think we're unique in the world of that. So 100%. it's not just any whole life policy. It's a very uniquely designed whole life policy that optimizes um, cash value. But we also, it does optimize death benefit too. You have a good death benefit. We believe in getting, you know, what you're valued protected because you are the number one asset. So it's that. And then you asked, how, how does it fit in? This is the coolest thing of all your financial path. And let's, we'll talk about this a lot. What's the one guarantee we all have in your financial world? There's one of them. It happened to last in 2006. Yep. You're going to die. Yeah. And if you think about it, you're the number one asset. So you're worth protecting. And we know with an absolute certainty, you're going to die. Yeah. And do you not think that there can be a product out there structured if with those, with that certainty, like if we knew next year who wins the Super Bowl, could we make money on it? Oh man, absolutely. Like any known event in the future, if you know, like if you have the skill sets and knowledge, you can make money off of that. But we have one event in the future that, like with absolute certainty is going to happen. So how do we leverage that? And the vault does that and it does it for yourself and you're protecting yourself, which is the number one asset. Plus you're doing it with certainty. And the, and these companies have figured out they, they, we talked about it. Mass mutual just turned 170 this last Saturday and they have a track record of time to design these policies to perform with guarantees every single day. Yeah. And there's no mystery to them. I love it, man. Cause look, here's, you know, if we were to break this down in the concept of money, I think there's four basic ways that people lose their money, right? Number one, they lose it through the markets, right? And yeah. we've all been told that market uncertainty and risk tolerance is part of the equation. Well, that's only if you choose to play that game. That's only if you choose to play a game where uncertainty, where where risk is part of the game. But you could play a different game where you've eliminated market uncertainty because it's not even part of the game, it's right? True. So if you could eliminate market uncertainty, what about number two? Most, I would say probably 90% of, of people out there, when they think about the concept of investing, especially when it relates to their retirement, they use traditional vehicles to do it, like an IRA or a 401k. What do, what do those vehicles, Eric, do with the second, if not, well, it's probably the largest wealth destroyer. What do, what do those vehicles do with taxes? Yeah, you just kick the can down the road, right? I mean, and, you, you defer it. Like literally you're, it's deferred taxation, meaning I may have earned, say, $200,000, but I just say, don't pay me 30000 of it. I'll take that later. Like, I mean, that's all you, there's no secret to it. All you're doing is saying, I earned this, pay me less, and then they'll pay me the rest of it later, and then I'll pay the taxes on it. And here's the crazy part. What you're literally doing is you're deferring the uncertainty to the time in your life when you don't want to have uncertainty. You're deferring exactly. the uncertainty of taxes to retirement. And you even, def- you, what's, your, what's too painful to do today, yeah, you push to it, it's still going to be painful then, and even more so because you can't control it. So inside of the vault, these properly designed life insurance contracts, we eliminate markets. What do we do with, with taxes? We, we put shit down the road. Yeah, we, we kind of put our head in the sand and ignore it, right? Well, that's traditional in the vault. Oh, traditional. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I thought, you, yeah, I got off. With, that's the beauty of the vault is it's one of the three tax-free vehicles. It eliminates it, right? So yep. now we take that certainty of, I don't really, I mean, I, I don't want taxes to go up. I, I, I truly don't. But no. if they go up, will it impact me? Yeah, I'm going to pay more taxes on my earned income, but on what I'm investing, taxes aren't part of my game, right? I don't, I'm not deferring taxes. I'm not deferring that uncertainty. I've eliminated it, which by default creates certainty. Okay, yep. now the third thing is, and this is one of the most unique parts about the vault and, and most commonly misunderstood is the silent tax of inflation, yep. right? How does the vault help us combat inflation? 
Yeah, you have guaranteed um, returns and dividends that grow. Okay, you just mentioned Mass Mutual, one of the companies that we work with. How many years have they paid a dividend? Every single one. For 170 years straight? Yep. They have a contractual guarantee. Today, it's 4%. Um, how long have they paid contractual guarantees? Every year. How many contracts have they failed on? Zero. Zero. Guys, do you get the concept here? Right. If you can take the uncertainty and turn it into certainty, your life starts to change. So not only is your cash inside of your vault growing with a guaranteed return, it's also earning a dividend. The return will combat inflation. But one of the most unique parts about the cash value inside of a vault is it can be used like a line of credit. So rather than deferring the use of my money for one day, I can still get the long term benefit of having my money grow and compound without the uncertainty of the markets. And and I can leverage and utilize the value of the money today to achieve whatever my short-term goals are. And so you bring we, up a good point because think, think of banks as the alternative, right? How many people either you know personally or history or in a movie or whatever have has a bank failed and people lost their money? It's all over the place, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's in history. How many people do you know of that have a whole life policy that they funded properly that lost their money? It's impossible. Zero. Like, Zero. No one, like it's <laughs> no one knows that. Like no, yeah. no one knows a person that went through that. It's exactly. not even in movies. It's not in stories. It's not like it's nowhere to be found. I mean, that tells you the certainty of it. And the last part about this, and this is one that we all think won't touch us, right? But man, we live in a very public society, right? We're broadcasting a message on on iTunes and all this stuff, but some people are going to like it and some people are going to hate it. But at the end of the day, if I come at you and I say, Eric, for whatever reason, I don't like you. Maybe you wronged me. Maybe I don't like what you say. I could bring a lawsuit against you and I could try to extract and extort money out of you. What does the vault help us do with the money that we've put aside for a future use in retirement or financial freedom? Yeah, it protects from lawsuits, bankruptcies, creditors. So it's a private contract. Private contract. Yeah. And not only you said it's private, so one, they probably don't even know about it. But even yeah. if they could discover it or know, like have an inside, they see this podcast and guess that we have one of these policies. Even if you know the person has it, it's still protected. Yeah. Well, guys, um, I wanted to bring Eric on today because this this mindset of certainty, this mindset of production, this, well, before I get to production, the mindset of certainty allows you to show up in the world completely different, right? Most people show up in the world and we, we, we kind of brand it and call people consumers, right? They no. show up in the world and because they feel like their results, what they want are is outside of themselves, they look to the world to give it to them. The government owes me, right? My employer owes me. It's not fair, right? All these different philosophies and ideas that become more and more pre prevalent, if your certainty is outside of you, you're never free. It doesn't matter how much money you have. If you're waiting for someone to come and save you and to give you the answers and the results that you hope that you want or that you think that you deserve, you'll never be free. And that's a consumer. On the flip side of that, Les inside of his paper talked about production and being a producer. And I believe you can only truly be a producer in the most authentic uh, way possible when, you are, uh, when you're producing on a foundation of certainty. And a producer is someone who creates more value than, it, than they consume. They realize and understand that the solutions that they want begin with them becoming different people and that the answer isn't outside of them. They're open to new opinions and ideas and philosophies, but the answer and the solution is always inside. It's, who, what, it's an internal game before it is, it's an external game. So with that in mind, that's the, really, that's the core of what we do here in Cashflow Tactics. We empower you with money 
to build number one certainty in your life and show up in the world around you with that certainty and act and function like a producer. And Eric, inside of these game plans that we built, just kind of talk us through what do you see as people build it? Like as you're building these game plans for people, what do you see happen with people's mindset? No, it gives them confidence finally. Like you can see the light bulb goes up, go off. That hope is finally there, right? Yeah. They can put faith. I mean, it goes back to, I mean, bringing in religious concept, but it gives faith in something. They now can see something and they have faith to it. And as they start to hit their 90 day, and that's why we keep setting 90 day targets. And as you know, the first 90 days, they hit those targets, they get confidence, they hit their next ones. And then it becomes no longer faith. It becomes something they know and have proven. And then we talk about this forever. Once you've gone down, like it doesn't take long. Um, Dan shared that um, earlier, I think today or yesterday, that you achieve freedom once you realize with what I know mentally and what I have, like my experience, I can duplicate this forever. And as soon as you do that, you don't even have to be at the strike number level of your game plan. At that point in time, you're free. Yeah, you really are. And it's a pretty powerful concept. In fact, I, I believe it's a tool and it's a tool that that's kind of scary and dangerous, but also pretty fun at the same time. When you show up in the world with certainty, when you show up in the world knowing that your production is the solution and knowing that you have a way to produce value and keep the money that you make and grow it and use it, I mean, all the different ideas that come with what we talked about today, your world starts to change. And now it's a matter of how clear can you get on the vision that you want who do you have to become to to achieve it? And how do I like how do I start taking action towards that? And it becomes inevitable. In fact, one of my favorite parts inside of Cash Flow Tactics is I get to deal with people a year, two years, three years, four years down the road after they've implemented their game plan. And hands down, I get people coming back saying it all worked. And That's what I thought was isn't, it, isn't that the best part of Dude, what we do? You say, do I like building game plans? It's not as much the front end. It's yeah. knowing we've done it long enough. Now we know what the conversation is going to be five, six, seven years into it. Yeah. And those are, that's why it's so fun. Well, Eric, uh, it and the last thing I guess we'll say before we end is it gives you and I confidence. So this is what pushed less kind of to wrap it all up is when he was studying to do be in the financial world, he thought, how am I ever going to sleep at night? Yeah. Like, how can I teach someone? And like, that's what motivated him so hard to find these principles is he thought I won't sleep at night if I'm worried about what's going to happen. And I can't, mm-hmm. They can't have certainty on that if it's in the stock market. So he had to identify the principles to teach people. So he would have the confidence that we have now to know what I taught you. If you implement, will get you with the result you're looking for. Eric, it's a pleasure having you on today, man. Um, we've only scratched the surface of what this man brings to the table at Cashflow Tactics. And if you want to experience Eric's knowledge expertise inside of your life, then it all comes through a game plan. Um, our mission is simple at Cashflow Tactics. It really is, right? I mean, people think we're about real estate and vaults. Those really, at the end of the day, that's not what we're about. Those are tools to get an outcome. We're about empowering you with money. We're about building certainty inside of your life so you can show up in your life and live the life that's most authentic to you and to what you are put here to accomplish and do, right? And so that is accomplished inside of a game plan. Eric will take the principles that we teach to show you how to get a consistent, predictable, and reliable result and how to do it over and over and over again to become financially free in 10 years or less. And it's done in a game plan. He takes your resources and your goals and tactically applies them to the principles of uh, cash flow tactics. And so if you're ready to do that, I would recommend going to our five-day challenge, cashflowtactics.com forward slash challenge or Facebook, just search us up and that's the first offer that we make. It's free, but don't let that deceive you. Uh, We have put 
years of, of uh, work into the five-day challenge to show you a possibility inside of the world of finance that you never thought was possible for before. Because up to this point, just like we talked about in this paper today, you think, you think that operating with uncertainty is just part of the game. We're here to show you that if you want to play a new game, we throw uncertainty out and you build uncertainty. Eric, any final words of wisdom? Nope, that's it. It's been great being on here. And, and I just tell the community, start putting this lens on everything you hear from us and you'll see it everywhere. This mm-hmm. concept is in everything we teach. And the five-day challenge is amazing. If you haven't yeah. been through it, you have to go. I mean, it's too good to be free, but I mean, we're trying to take consumers and make them producers, right? So it has to start somewhere. Yeah, and here's the last, the last piece uh, that I want to share on this. And uh, I want to pay the tribute to you, Eric, because you had the confidence after your brother died. You could have shrunk away into the corner. You could have been sad. I know you were sad. Uh, you could have hid your talents and let Les's legacy die. But you decided to carry the torch. And I'm grateful for that because you carrying the torch blessed my life. You carrying the torch allowed me to see a world that I didn't know existed and allowed me to step into what it is that we now teach personally. I never saw myself teaching this to people. I wanted it because I was stuck. And so, Eric, thank you for carrying on that torch. Thank uh, you. So much um I don't even know what the right word is. Just so much respect and honor for your brother, Les, and for what he learned, what he did, and what he achieved in a short period of time. And guys, I know that the topic of this podcast wasn't a legacy, um, but I want you guys to consider something as we close this podcast out. Everyone thinks a legacy is what you leave. And that's part of it. That is part of it. But a legacy more than anything is how you live. What you leave is defined by how you live. And that man, your brother, Les, lived multiple lifetimes in a very, very short lifetime because he lived a purpose-driven life. He lived with passion, he lived with purpose, and that legacy is still being paid for today. So think about that, guys. It's still blessing thousands of people, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So guys, think about that as as you close out this podcast. What will your legacy be? Where does it start? If you're ready to start it, get in the game with us. Appreciate you taking the time. Eric, thanks for picking up for me as my audio dropped. And anytime. uh, And uh, this was great, man. So we'll have to get me on again sometime. Heck yeah. All right, guys. Until next time, rise up and live free. We'll see you, my friends. All right, all right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Rise Up Live Free podcast. If you're not subscribed already, then be sure to do that right now so you can get all of the latest information downloadable right to your phone. But before you go, what would it be like and feel like if you had your own personalized financial freedom game plan? If you like that, head over to cashflowtactics.com forward slash five day challenge. There, we'll walk you through step-by-step in just 30 minutes a day. Over the course of five days, we'll show you what's working, what's not, where you're stuck, and help you gain clarity for probably the first time ever and exactly what it will take for you to be on the path to financial freedom in just 10 years or less. If you're ready to go, join us at cashflowtactics.com forward slash five-day challenge. Until next time, take control over your finances, rise up, and live free.